I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 229 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Mr. Victor M. Ruiz. Trying to introduce myself like uh, Jolyn Turner did during the live at Leningrad. Mr. Inve J. Malmstein. I've been asked over the years if I include that middle initial because of Inve. No, I don't. <laughs> there are about... Three million Victor Ruiz is in the world, so that's why I usually use my initial. Believe me, I've been stopped at the airport confused or, you know, asked if I was someone else that had done some other shit, but whatever. Welcome to the show. If you're new to the show, today's guest is Tim Henderson of Brave Words. The interview itself starts at the 10-minute mark, so if you want to fast-forward to that, that's cool. If not, I'm going to placate to my patrons, to some ads, to a new segment that we have here as well, and a few other things. So right off the bat, I do want to thank my patrons for their support. It is a small group, but a diehard group. Let's start from oldest to newest. Steve Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, Mike Jones, Brad Dahl, Mark Striegel, Gabriel Ruiz, Chris Vaglio, Jose Ruiz, Jerry from Long Island, Metal Dan, and Rob Rowe. Uh, I want to thank you guys immensely for your support. A bunch of you guys have upped your pledges to 10 bucks a month for the t-shirt. I appreciate that immensely. So there are quite a few of you guys out there that have been receiving t-shirts lately. Uh, again, thanks for that pledge, for your support. It means the world to me, and it means the world to anyone that is listening to this and even remotely contemplating being a patron. Uh, for as little as two bucks a month, you can get in, and we have video content. We have the album of the week. We have questions and different things that we throw up, um, different polls. I should say that we post, not throw up, uh, but anyway... A lot of cool, non-troll uh, discussions from the videos that I do post. The patrons are putting or helping put together a playlist for favorites of 2021 so far. There is over 10 and a half hours worth of music to listen to. It is available on Spotify and on Apple Music. Pick your poison. And if you go to MarsAttacksRadio.com forward slash playlists, plural, you will find links to either one. Now, it's kind of weird because I'm only allowed to post 100 tracks on the website. But if you click on the actual buttons to the playlists, if I remember correctly, there's over 130 tracks there. So enough to get you through your commute and a work day. And maybe there are songs that you don't know that you're checking out for the first time there. Maybe there's an artist that you're not familiar with uh, previously or one that you are familiar with, but you didn't know that they put new music out. 
So that's what this playlist is all about. So is my new releases post, which I make every Friday. And this week was no different. I highlighted the new album by Heavy Water, which is the project between Saxon frontman Biff Byford and his son Seb. It's really cool, really something different, really something that I did not expect at all. And it's got various different influences. There's some stuff that sounds very Sabbathy, very Zeppelin y, very, I mean, in a modern way, like stuff that maybe Audio Slave has done over the years or Royal Blood or stuff like that. But then you've got stuff that sounds like Simon and Garfunkel and U2. There's sax on this album. So there's a little of everything. It's kind of cool. It's really outside of the box. If you listen to it with an open mind, uh, perhaps you'll like it. This all leads me to the fact that we have a new segment that was brought to me by one of the patrons, Mr. Jeremy Weltman, which will be called Patrons Picks. And just to set this up, this is Jeremy talking about one of the releases from last week that he dug that wasn't, you know, that I listed on the site, but wasn't one of the albums that I featured. So let's take a listen to that. Hi, patrons. This is Jeremy Weltman here. Um, This is a new feature called Patrons Pick, uh, where I am going to pick out one of the new new releases uh, that comes out on a Friday, which obviously uh, Victor has um, listed and on his website, Mars Attacks Radio, which I suggest you go to. You should read Victor's review. He does a review every week uh, when he's not away on holiday, of course. Uh, and he also lists a lot of albums that come out. Um, and I've tried to go through most of these each week. Uh, it's not always possible. And your time is probably limited too. So you probably want a, a suggestion or two uh, to liven up your week and maybe something to buy. Um, so I've been through the list this week. Uh, there were 17 uh, new albums released, a lot of them from Frontiers. Um, you know, obviously a melodic uh, label there. Uh, and I've gone through, and there's a couple on that list that, are, that sort of struck me. Uh, I liked a lot of the Frontiers stuff that came out, um, Heaven and Earth, um, Resurrection Kings. Uh, there's some good stuff. There was also an independent, I think it was an independent album by Vandor. I don't know much about that band, but On a Moonlit Night was quite a good sort of classic metal style with, um, you know, it's, it's, it's decent, decent enough album, really, worth worth a listen uh, strange one there called Western Super Mame, which is obviously a bit of a piss take on a UK uh, resort called Western Super Mare. Uh, and there were one or two there that was quite growly near the end. But I've chosen one which really stuck out to me. It's by um, an Argentinian band called Inner Stream. Called, uh, the album's called Stainless Sea. Uh, apparently this band was signed to Frontiers last year for a multi-album deal. Obviously COVID got in the way. Um, don't know much about the band at all. Um, this is their, obviously their debut album. Um, I launched straight into it and I really liked the vocal. The vocal really sticks out. There's a, there's a girl, um, singing her name and Victor's going to laugh when I pronounce this, uh, obviously Spanish sounding name. Uh, I think her name is Ines Vera Ortiz. Uh, and her, she's got a brother called George who I think plays guitar on the album. Um, what I liked about this album is a really nice balance of the vocal, the keyboards, 
um, and some guitar and drumming in there, which was, uh, you know, supplementing what was going on. And I just felt that this was a very professional sounding album. I wouldn't say it was entirely new, unique. You know, there's a lot of bands out there doing this kind of stuff, um, but it was very well produced. Uh, I thought there were some good songs in there, particularly for a debut release. Um, and it's all uh, rounded out with a vocalist who's got really what you would say in the UK, a decent set of pipes. Um, so check that one out if you can. Um, that is my patron's pick for this week. It's Inner Stream, Argentina band, Argentinian band, and the album is called Stain the Sea. I want to thank Jeremy for that segment coming up with the idea for doing the segment and actually putting something together. That's really cool. Again, he's one of my patrons. I want to thank you, the listener for checking this episode out. Uh, if you want to subscribe or follow what I do, whether that's the audio, whether that's the signals from Mars live stream, which happens every Friday, 6 PM Eastern, 3 PM Pacific, 11 PM in the UK. If you want to follow on social media or anywhere else, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. You will find the links to all of that great stuff there. And with that, we're going to hop on into this interview with Mr. Tim Henderson of Brave Words. I want to thank you for checking this episode out. I hope it's not the last time that you listen to the show. So go to the MarsAttacksRadio.com and check out how you can continue to follow us. See ya and enjoy. I want to welcome you guys to the uh, July 9th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. Joining me is Metal Tim Henderson from Brave Words. Um, I am thrilled beyond belief to have you on here, uh, and I welcome you to the show. How are you doing, sir? I'm celebrating Bon Scott's 75th birthday today. Awesome. That, that should be an international holiday. Absolutely. No, I'm honored to be on here. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I had uh, Bob Now Banding on a few weeks ago. Bob is someone that... Um, much like yourself, because I, I see a lot of parallels and different things that you guys have done over the years, maybe not the same exact path, but I think that what you have done with brave words and, you know, with everything you've done along the years is very important to metalheads around the world. Um, I found it very interesting reading, you know, what you do have on your site about yourself um, you kind of took up the metal flag in a decade where I constantly hear people say metal sucked in the nineties, metal was dead in the nineties, but you said, screw all this. You decided to forge ahead with your own path. Then you didn't let naysayers. It seems tell you that the form of music that you love was gone. Um, what was the moment that you said, you know what, screw all these other people. I'm just going to do this. 
Well, Metal Sucks actually wasn't born in 1994. That's a total dig, and I love those guys. But <laughs> wow, I, um, it, it, no, you're, you're you're exactly right because Brave Words, the actual magazine, was born right. in 1994. Correct, and and that's when so many bands just got. I hate saying this because I love a lot of the bands that they were killed by grunge. So mm-hmm. I love Pearl Jam, I love Alice in Chains and, and Soundgarden. It was, I don't know, it was, it was a really interesting era, but you're right. There were still like a ton of metalheads that were still there, um, no matter like the way the industry was changing. Um, like people still wanted to wave the horns. And right. I, I went from Meat Magazine from, um, in Toronto to, um, to launching this thing in 1994 with Martin and, um, and it worked and the fans just, just loved it. It, it rolled out across Canada and then to 40 countries, like during an era where heavy metal wasn't like the most popular, but you have to keep in mind, especially where you sit, <clears throat> like the scene in North America versus Europe, um, right. back, especially back then it was like night and day. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was it. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because a year before that, I guess ninety three, maybe ninety two, is when I did my first kind of tryout with all this stuff. I was in college radio, you know. I had my own show, you know, and a lot of the bands. I was getting feedback from them saying, "Hey, you know, we just can't get across here," and I was seeing bands like. Halloween, who were still putting out albums in Europe, but couldn't release anything in the States. I was having to buy albums by them, by a group like Warrior Soul, who was a New York band. I was from New Jersey and I couldn't even get their albums in the States. I'd have to buy them on import for 35 bucks because Music for Nations was the only label that was willing to put their music out. Um, So it was, I mean, I... (sighs) I don't want to say, you know, I've never subscribed to the whole that decade sucked because there were still good music that was coming out. I think you could look at a band like Testament, for example, who as the years went on, they got heavier and heavier um, up until, say, Formation of Damnation. There were other bands that whether you're fully into their errors of music or not, I know Anthrax is doing their whole 40th anniversary documentary that they're releasing little by little. I was a huge fan of the John Bush era. Love the Joey stuff, but still love that John Bush stuff as well. Um, so I think that if people just discard that decade, they're missing out on a lot of good music as well. But this is an important point because when I um, launched Brave Words, I had just started a HMV Canada as a buyer mm-hmm. and we built it up, me and my team. I'm not going to take full credit for this because there was a, a bunch of wonderful people around me to like a million dollar metal section in the nineties. Right. So it wasn't just you and me and like a pool. Like it was, it was, there, there was a huge community. Yeah. So, and it grew until, until now. Right. Right. And, and even still, I mean, if you really want to analyze it, you look at, you know, the resurgence of vinyl or even now cassettes being made and things like that. How much of that is still being driven by metal fans or hard rock fans 
that are really the diehards that are still going out and searching. I want the limited edition splatter vinyl of, you know, whatever album. So I think metal fans have shown that over the years, they're willing to support bands that they love more than maybe other forms of music. When I was, as I said, so 94, let's, let's put everything in perspective here. So brave words, the little fanzine, although Gene, I love Gene Simmons, not the biggest kiss fan and, or Gene fan, but he always called fanzines, baby magazines. So I look at the old issues of brave words, all the gray stock and, we can get into that later. Um, <clears throat> it was, don't I mean, like it, we, it, it went from like that era of like little baby magazines and exploding. Like mm-hmm. we, we just like, it, it was incredible. The whole growth. Yeah. Um, what, drove you to do the fanzine was there any other fanzine that influenced you was it the need that you felt that there was nothing in your area that dealt with the subject matter i left meat magazine and just and not that i'm a control freak i just thought that like there was a void and Mm -hmm. just started to build this thing and and it just like went from there it was it was and then i rolled it out to there was like a hundred stores um, at HMB Canada. We, we like we printed two hundred copies of Brave Words Number One, sold out within like a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and everyone embraced it because they were desperate for like real heavy metal. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. And you mentioned before that you connected with Martin Popoff back then. Um, what? was your first impression of Martin and why have you been able to remain, you know, for almost 30 years, you guys have, you know, still been a part of this and had a good enough friendship to be able to keep, you know, brave words together and to do what each one of you do. Well, it was a friendship that turned into like a brotherhood because um, he had a printing company and when Brave Words, I had this idea to kind of like build this brand new magazine. He was able to, to, to print it or help me print it. And it went from there. Like he was instrumental in terms of editing and like not necessarily guiding me. Like I was, I was the one that was kind of like building everything. But behind the scenes, Martin was always there and he's still there. And it's, it's remarkable to see what he's done in his career. Like it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. He's definitely one of the, uh, can I, I mean, tell you something? Can I tell you something? Yeah, um, there's nobody on the planet that can sit there and listen to a record and review it within like 10 minutes because I sit there like in a week to review a record. And this guy comes out with his first book, of all reviews and i'm like really dude like where are you from what the fuck (laughs) right yeah that's troubling when when you sit there and you just the wheels are spinning continuously nothing is coming out but yet he's a genius he really is a genius yeah yeah and i mean he's he has the following that he has for a reason i mean his books are good his books are in depth I can't tell you how many, not only people that I speak to uh, that listen to my show, but other podcasters behind the scenes that talk about, Hey, you know, have you checked out Martin's latest book? What do you think about 
you know, this one where he's talking about this, you know, so um, I, I truly think there's, you know, there, there's like a number, a select number of people that have really helped. I mean, I, I talk a lot about bands helping create the soundtrack of your life where you kind of piece together different moments of your life based upon different songs that you heard, you know? Um, but I do think that there are people on the flip side as well, journalists and people that have done like yourself, start brave words to also help feed other parts of that sort of soundtrack. You know, sometimes you need a backdrop to that soundtrack. You need to be able to, you know, go to a different, you know, authority or, or you know, get lost in a book, get lost in a, in a website, uh, you know, uh, reading the information that you have. Um, for me as a kid, um, it was Eddie Trunk. I was 12, 13 years old. And there was this guy at midnight that would only come on for five minutes. I've got the metal news and I'm like, wow, there's another music nerd out there like me that actually I can find out about, you know, what this band is doing, what that other band is doing. And then little by little, you know, the various magazines started coming up that weren't, you know, weren't circus, weren't rip, you know, they were outside of the box when those magazines started covering green day and Pearl jam and stuff like that. There were other band, there were other magazines that were still kind of true to what the rest of us loved. So I, I think that's why you guys slot into this. And it's, it's so important to fans to, to have, you know, stuff like Brave Words to turn to or stuff like one of Martin's books to turn to when they want to find out about a band or, you know, again, read any reviews on an album that Martin has done over the years. So. No, he was really instrumental. Like, I'm, I'm not going to like, I've had a team and half the team have been with me since 1994. That's what's okay. pretty crazy. So. Right. Martin, like we all have our, you know what I mean? Like our, our mission caps. Sure. And I had mine. He had his and like all the writers and everything. No, it's, it's, it really is a beautiful thing. It's, it's kind of truly come together. The whole um, internet thing. It was really funny when my, um, the people that were laying at the magazine tried to convince me to do this thing called a website <laughs> and I'm like, really? What? What the? What? Like, what's this website thing? So right. it took a year to um, to launch BraveWords.com. But um, yeah, we had a great run, magazine wise. Keep in mind also that we are from a country that's only 30 million people. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of issues around the fact that we are from like that small in, in terms of economics, right? And um, and we were able to kind of spread the word, but also like based and influenced by magazines like Kerrang and Burn, mm -hmm. right? And, and a couple of the U.S. magazines at the same time. So, yeah, it was it, it's, it's been a wonderful ride. Awesome. Um, let's put things back a little further, because obviously you were a huge, hugely into music to want to do this to begin with. What was the first? thing that you heard that kind of piqued your interest and said, I want to find out a little bit about more about this band. I, this band has hooked me onto my latest passion. Well, I'm 54. Okay. And 
I had an uncle, my uncle Rick, that actually kind of fed me this music called acid rock when I was like in the seventies. So, right. And it sadly passed, um, but a huge influence. So bands like purple and cream and, and Led Zeppelin and everything like that's where like that seed was truly planted. Even like, even like more mainstream stuff like the Moody blues and the, and the Doobie brothers, right. It's all rock and roll at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's where it happened. But because I didn't have any siblings, it really, strangely enough, because radio at the time in in like the late 70s and the early 80s, like you had to really get to the point where like it was like this niche programming late at night, midnight, to play these like hour you know what I mean? So yeah, you would yeah, yeah. hear you you would hear Venom. Well, in my case, I would hear Anvil, Razor, Exciter mm-hmm. um, at midnight, and I'm still like a little kid. I have to go like to go to school the next day. So those son of a bitches, come on, give me a break. Um, so that no, that was really like the presence. Yeah, um, for me again, I mentioned um, Eddie Trunk would come on on Fridays. There was a show called. Uh, Metal Mania hosted by Cheryl Richards was her name. And Eddie would just come in periodically, well, uh, for a few minutes. And then slowly over the years, he ended up taking over the show. But outside of that, I mean, that was a Friday night show that started at 11 p.m. It was from 11 to 1. And if not, I remember stations out of New York. I mean, you wouldn't hear uh black sabbath on the radio maybe you'd hear paranoid uh you wouldn't hear you know it was funny after 10 o'clock um i would remember hearing um love bites by judas priest but it had to be after 10 o'clock at night before 10 o'clock at night you would hear maybe living after midnight if you were lucky you know for as much as and this is this is something that I talk to um, to Mark Striegel about from time to time, and he actually sends his regards. Um, um, I think that the turning point for a lot of this stuff, honestly, and I know a lot of people may crap on me for this, is Metallica's Black Album, because I think Metallica's Black Album became such a commercial hit that it kind of opened doors for hearing war pigs every hour, hearing Iron Man, you know, 10 times a day, um, hearing Run to the Hills and Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden all of a sudden on stations that would come nowhere near that stuff, at least in the in the New York, New Jersey area. That's how it was for us. We obviously had college radio like WSOU that played metal all the time, but for commercial radio to start to play a lot of this stuff, I I personally point to the black album and just how massive it was for that. What do you think the turning point was? Well, like, dude, honestly, way before that, we heard appetite for destruction and Epic okay. from um, faith and more. And I remember like great radio stations really struggling because I've been friends with a lot of the programmers mm-hmm. and they were struggling to put welcome to the jungle out there. So that was right. way before the Black Album, right? No, that you're was, right. You're that right. Was, that was that was really daring stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Black Albums. It's it's well, and the the fact that it's coming out as this massive, 
right? You know what I mean? Like what's what's yeah. in September, I guess. So yeah, yeah. No, there, there was. I think there was a lot of more daring things um, before Enter Sandman. And okay. as a Metallica fan, like, come on, give me a break. When you heard that, um, it was like, wow. But I will say, because I was still with Meat Magazine at the time, I okay. remember. Um, Drew and I, Drew Masters, my mentor, um, we went to Warner up here in Canada, in Toronto, and um, we were given the advance cassette to the Black Album. We sat in his car outside the building and listened to that whole thing from start to finish. And I, like, to my grave, I just, like, I walked out of the car trembling. It was so good. And keep in mind, I'm a thrash guy, I'm a black metal guy, I'm a death metal guy, but um, I still think it's it's a great, it, it, I don't know how, let's not start comparing. Right. Like, well, the first three records are the first three records. Like, right. Like, to be honest, I agree. Right? But the Black Album is just like this great snapshot of this amazing band that is going to take over the world. What I what 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 I love about Metallica because I remember buying Kill 'Em All as like a UK pressing and like like saving up my allowance or whatever like all my like stupid little fucking jobs and finally buying it and 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 re- putting it on cassette because I don't know if you see, you see my photos where you'd only touch the vinyl once and record right. it and sitting in the hallway listening to Kill 'Em All mm-hmm. and nobody would be around me. It's like the chicks didn't give a shit or whatever. Like, and going from that little point to where they are the biggest, literally the biggest band on the planet. I love wearing that flag and you wear it too. We all wear it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like bigger than you two. They're bigger than all the, the, the bullshit crappy stuff we hear from the States. They're the biggest. They could play every place on the planet. Right. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 agree sleep, I can go to sleep at night thinking that. <laughs> I actually got to see them. I guess it's what the 30th anniversary for the 25th anniversary. They did a festival run, and um, they did the album in its entirety. And I got to see one of those shows here in Madrid, and it was right next to a military barracks, and it was amazing to see. Just all of the soldiers out of their windows. There was already, whether you believe what the promoter said or not, they said apparently there were 66,000 people in there watching them. But there were all these people that were just hanging out of windows from that military barracks, just watching the entire show. And that was the second of two nights. And no one else got that response. And no one else filled that that uh, that whole area up where they were playing that same way. Everyone showed up for Metallica at the end. So it was, it was impressive. And I, I sometimes, and I mentioned this to you in an email the other day, I, I write stuff up on social media and then I'm like, I delete a lot of it because I'm like, yeah, I don't need the drama. Um, but I, I, I hate when I see people, for example, say, Oh, well, you know, uh, you guys will post it's the whatever anniversary or, you know, this is the time, the anniversary of the album going 18 times platinum or whatever. And people will respond, Oh, that's the album where they sold out. 
And I'm thinking, well, do you prefer that Shania Twain or Michael Jackson is the number one selling album of all time? As you said, it's not Master of Puppets. It's not Ride the Lightning. But it's still a metal band to say, hey, it may not be my favorite album by the band, but I'm proud that it's a metal band as opposed to something else. And I talked to Lars for that particular record for Meat Magazine. Mm-hmm. So all these fans, and I get it. Come on, give me a break. Would I rather put on Enter Sandman or Seek and Destroy? Like, like right. let's call a spade a spade. But when you sit there and talk to these guys, and everyone has to grow. I think we all, whether you're working or playing, like, you just grow. And right. they grew. And I'm not saying anything that they've done. Well, maybe, like, maybe one or two records. But it, nothing compares to that. But when you right. talk to the actual musician that built that, um, it's monumental. It was, and to your point, it crossed over. It sold millions of records. It helped heavy metal. Yes, that like that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. It maybe introduced a lot of people to like, oh wow, I love Inner Sandman. But who who is this band? No. And they, you know what? And hopefully they go backwards, especially yeah. going forwards, because we know what that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's that, that's my exact point. I mean, if if anything, and, and even whether you like, you know, nowadays you have things like baby metal, you have things that are on the poppier side where, you know, I get it. Diehard metal fans will sit there and say, oh, you know, I hate this stuff. It's garbage. It's crap. But somewhere there's a kid that's watching that for the first time and saying, hey, you know, I like the sound of these guitars. What else sounds like this? And they do that dive in the rabbit hole and they come across a ride the lightning or they come across a, you know, seasons in the abyss or or whatever. And it opens up the door, whether whether it's your whether that ends up being your favorite band or not. I think, you know, that album did a tremendous thing like Appetite for Destruction, as you mentioned before, um, to just kick down the door and, and welcome a lot of a lot of people. Let's let's not forget that the difference between, or at least in my opinion, between a platinum selling album and a gold selling album back in the day was being able to cross over because your diehards were still going to buy an album regardless. But getting over to that casual fan, getting over to that kid that was being turned on to a band for the first time, you needed to make that bridge. If not, you weren't selling what these bands were selling. You know what? Just as a music fan, you just need to kind of step back and just look at like the forest from the trees, right? Right. You might be introduced to this, this particular record and then you're going to Google it. Now you can Google it. Back then yeah. I was sitting in my high school. I wasn't fucking Googling anything. Now right. you can actually Google it and put in the black album or whatever record and go, yeah, if you like this, then you're probably going to like this more. Right. Right. So it's, absolutely. I don't know. It's, it's as old Fox, I can call myself that. It's just like, <laughs> just, just relax and just enjoy the moment and figure it out. I think yeah. these days is like, these are the best days and the easiest time for people as music fans to figure it out. It hasn't gotten any more easier to go to YouTube, right. to go to Wikipedia or wherever, or whatever website you like you live and breathe in 
because you're mm-hmm. hearing from people like you and me and a lot of like, well, more younger people than elders, but it is what it is. Yeah. I just know when I walked out of that car, listened to the black album, I was like, I was really, I was really sold. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was amazing. I saw the shows. I was in the pit at a couple of shows and that's where Lars and James wanted to go. And it is what it is. Yeah. It's interesting that in hindsight, a lot of people don't give them the credit maybe for having that vision for as much as people dump on Lars now for his playing. I think a lot of people don't go back and, you know, check out a ride the lightning or kill them all or, or any of those force four albums uh, with regards to his drumming and realize where metal was at that time where you didn't have, you know, a lot of the, the modern day players who grew up on him or a Dave Lombardo. So obviously the next generation is going to push the envelope, but at that time, the guys laying the foundation, I think maybe he doesn't get enough credit for that. Okay, let's 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 plug Bob Nelband in again because I had him on Streaming for Vengeance a couple of weeks ago, and if you watch like the Bay Area Godfathers thing, mm-hmm. and Lars is all over, and Bob wasn't just like an interviewer; he was like hanging out at his house. You know what I yeah. mean? And the, like like just listening to Lars, just like I did, mm-hmm. like give me a fucking break! Like this guy, he, he knows his shit. Mm-hmm. been there done that and it, it's just it's it's I, I, as a metal fan i just just love hearing about the history i i thought it was really funny i asked lars a long time ago because we all know the whole diamond head thing mm-hmm. and i asked him this one question like are you still following diamond head and saxon and all the new wave of british heavy metal stuff right he, he was like fuck no like whatever like it's not like not that he was like like dissing them. It's right. just like that was part of his past, mm-hmm. and his future is what we hear now. So, right. are we going to hear like a new Diamond Head cover on Garage Days number three or whatever? No, <laughs> it's just like right. people grow. We're fucking old. He's old. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We don't act old. You watch him drumming. I just like admire. Like it's it's. I have such an admiration for him. Like it's. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Would you consider that one of your landmark interviews, being able to interview him then for the Black Album? Or are there any other interviews that maybe you've had with him or, or someone else over the years that you would say, hey, you know, I'm really proud of this one or, or this other one? I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, no, obviously. Um the ACD, like the ACD, DC interviews I've had were second to none. Um, interviewing like Lane Staley from Allison Chains. Um, oh, there's just like it's 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 pretty crazy because people ask me if like yeah you're gonna do a book blah 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 blah. I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna do a book. The only way I'm gonna do a book is if I can actually sit there and like like because just the way my head works. I'm like, okay, let's just do it from A to Z. So what are the A bands? What are the B bands and blah, 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 blah. So I have no idea. I had a great interview with Brian Johnson. Mm -hmm. That was, and he called me a see you next Tuesday. Joking because I was talking about a Geordie reunion. 
<laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like I have so many examples. I, I don't like, it's like the Venom guys. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's keep in mind, not that this is like a brag. Like I've been doing this. I'm, I'm pushing 60. So I've been there, done that. It's, I've been really blessed to meet people like Slayer and Candlemass and Metal Church and Behemoth and you name it. It's like, mm-hmm. there's a ton of great interviews and, and bonds and beautiful things. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough question, but really like to talk to Angus and Malcolm, um, that might've been like one of my peak highlights. Gotcha. Okay. Was there ever someone that you didn't get to interview that maybe passed away that you, you know, after they, they died, you said, shit, that was the one that kind of got away. You know what? Um, given all the um, the Motorhead stuff, I never met um, Filthy or or Fast Eddie. Those oh, those wow. two guys would have been um, like absolutely legendary. Um, wow, Bon, I was way too young. Yeah, right. no, was, yeah. There's there's I've been really blessed to actually meet just because of timing. There's mm-hmm. like the odd little thing. That little person, um, my short list to meet would would would, would be easily be Robert Plant, um, McCartney. I would love to meet the Floyd guys. I know I'm sounding really old here because, <laughs> but I really think that like those are like the pillars of where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Am I answering the question? Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes complete sense because I think a lot of people get lost. And you said it before, it's all rock, isn't it? At the end of the day, I think people get lost on placing nice little labels on things where, after all, if it's within the rock genre and it moves you, does it really need to be, you know, well, it's it's not metal because it doesn't have this or it doesn't have that. You know, I think too many people have gotten caught up in needing to follow all these rules for a kind of music that was built out of rebellion, quite the opposite. You know, it was a fuck everything. This is what I'm going to do mentality. And now it's like, well, we have to follow these 30 rules. What? It's not on the list. You're no longer metal. I'm sorry. You can't get into the club. So I get what you're saying when, when you're talking about McCartney and, and Floyd and, you know, all these people, because without them, we wouldn't be where we are in 2021. So it's amazing. Um, my demographic, Google analytics, is so wide it's it's when when we report on whatever you want to call this so don't like rage at me the heritage acts whether it be like hanks or cream or you know i mean it it had like like the riffs started somewhere Mm -hmm. the who the stones whenever we report on all this stuff it's it gets a huge reaction so i love the fact that um and just like like, like as an overall kind of like, like scenario with brave words, it's, it's, it's old school, it's black metal and it's hair metal. And like, just people just, I just, I just think if you're a music fan, you're a fucking idiot. If you don't like go back and, and really respect the roots of the Yardbirds and cream and then jumped, obviously, like everyone obviously jumps to 
the whole Sabbath and purple and everything and the James sure. gang. And, um, no, it's, I, brave words kind of puts it all together. Mm-hmm. And I see that with our numbers and I see that with our demographic and I'm actually most proud of the fact that our demographic, it's not a sausage party anymore. It's almost <laughs> half and half. Oh, wow. That's no, awesome. No, that really is awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, like we would go to shows and it would be like, oh my God, I want to come here. I want to watch the band and get laid. I'm like, I'm not getting laid because there's no chicks here. No, it's, right. you know what I mean? I'm joking, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a great <laughs> thing that it's like a 50-50 split. So, but the most important thing is like, there's there's a heavy metal hard rock heavy metal tree and i'm not going to sit here and argue with i'm not going to say that yeah the yardbirds are heavy metal no they weren't but they were you know you know what the greatest example is is when someone dies so when alvin lee from 10 years after died a couple of years mm-hmm. ago all these people slash and like everyone piped in obviously the death is horrific mm-hmm. but it, the beauty is the fact that like all these artists are like, Oh my God, that's how I learned how to, how to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And everyone goes, who's Alvin Lee? Oh, I want to change the world. Oh, I know that song. I've heard it. My, my dad played it for me or whatever. Right. right. That's like, that's the beauty. It, it all connects. Right. Yeah. I've, I've had many a conversation. I know you're not the biggest kiss fan, but I've had many. A no, conversation. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not not the biggest Kiss fan. It's kind of a generation thing. So okay. it's just it's. I, I was just too young to. Gotcha. My first Kiss record was the 12 inch of um, "I Was Made for Loving You," okay. just because I was only like 10 years old. So right. no, I love Kiss. Okay, but I love Lisa's stuff better. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's funny though because I've had conversations with friends of mine that are in black metal bands and uh i hate kiss they've never added anything to this and they've never added anything to that and i'll bring up hey have you ever listened to a band called celtic frost have you listened to uh thomas gabriel he's playing an Iceman because he's a huge kiss fan and he's wearing kiss t-shirts all the time and um uh damn it now the guy's name Slips my mind. The guy that was at the festival that ran up with the guitar and fell face first. Uh, Aboth, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Immortal. Okay. Right. So all of these guys are are huge Absolutely. fans of that stuff. And and it's funny that, you know, younger kids will say, oh, well, that's not, you know. No, but that was similar to the Alvin Lee reference you made. No, that actually helped Slash, that helped other people pick up the guitar and give you what you got to hear and what you knew about, you know, what turned you on the slash years later without that stepping stone, without Alvin, Alvin Lee, without 10 years after, without the who, without the kinks, all the bands that you mentioned, we wouldn't be where we are today. I, I think that a, a lot of that, like you're saying, a lot of that respect is missing to go back. And, and even if you don't like the stuff, at least give it the reverence that it, uh, that it deserves. And, yeah, I see that Rob Rowe keeps chiming in, uh, chiming in about Ace. Um, uh, for my money, nothing that neither Ace nor Kiss has released past Trouble Walking is better than that album. That's just my opinion. But um, I know a lot of people love his 78 solo album. Trouble Walking is where it's at for me. Kind of like what you're saying. It was beginning of the 90s, was 
a specific point in time in my life. So there's that emotional connection to that album. Martin and I, we, because uh, Ace did, I'm trying to remember the tour a couple of years ago, right? Like, well, right. probably like 10 years ago. And it was just like, just on, he was just, like, you know what? He, I th- he has more fire than Kiss. That, that's mm-hmm. just, I, that's what I felt. I was just, it was surreal to meet him. Um, but the Fraley's Comet record, just like, wow. Just as, as, as you say, trouble walking. Like, it's just like heavy riffs. They just, he just has it down. He just, yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's, I don't know. You, you can't compare the two. You, you really can't. Right. And you know what the, like the worst thing is because, um, you know, Gene and Paul, they're doing this whole world tour thing. And in like, you know, in the back of their head, Ace is going to help us sell more tickets. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Right. I saw those last shows, um, like the reunion shows, but I don't really care about watching like the current reunion shows, but I know that Gene and Paul are just, and whether or not Ace wants to do it, I know that um, Peter's kind of in his own little world, apparently, but mm-hmm. um, I, I just think that if, if um, Gene and Paul would put, put their heads together and just kind of re- renegotiate with um, Ace, those like, it would just elevate that whole thing. It would, it would put the icing on the cake. Yeah, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that I, I think if they do call it quits at, I was about to say Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium is a parking lot now, but at Citibank Stadium in New York, if that's their last hurrah, that they do whatever it takes to at least get Ace and Peter involved somehow. Now, I know that money was probably the biggest issue uh, there, but I mean, I mean, I think that, you have to do what you need to do for the fans to at least yeah, kind of absolutely. wrap things up the right way. No, nope, absolutely. So um, you talked about metal sucks before. Um, obviously brave words and blabbermouth have been the big two for the longest time. And then you've had, you know, metal injection and metal sucks and, and all these other sites that have, that have come up over the last uh, decade or so. Um, have you ever felt that there was a rivalry between any of the sites at all, or have you felt the opposite where it's been a brotherhood that there was enough to go around for everyone? <laughs> What's the right answer here? <laughs> Is this I, wouldn't, a- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a brotherhood. There should be because the, like the metal community is like, it's grown obviously. And it's right. It's this big. And I think we should all be kind of like bounding together and we all have our like, like little mission statements. Sure. No, I wouldn't say that the, like there's a brotherhood, but I really don't have much connection with those other sites. I, I, I really don't visit them very often. I'm just, I'm way too busy like right. every day just doing like, like it's, it's insanely busy. So right. the fact like of me to travel around to do other things, it's like, it's, I respect that what they do. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I will say, but I will say when I go to Europe and visit these festivals and I see all the magazines and all the peeps and everyone just getting along and cheersing together, I would really love that to happen on these shores. 
and I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I saw a meme the other day. I forget where it was posted. It said discussion about a band's lineup. And it was all these people like fighting with one another. And then it said uh, discussion about a band's discography. And it was like 10 people at a table sitting calmly and discussing things. So as, as you're talking, that's, what's kind of going through my head where, you know, it should be the one as opposed to the other, but you know, for whatever reason, for what you're telling me, and I get it. It's, it's very busy to keep up with, with what you have going on. I, I tried my foray into trying to do that with podcasting. I tried to start a site where, you know, I realized there's, I mean, at this point it's ridiculous, but back when I stepped into it and tried to report on interviews and stuff like that, it was, it consumed the entire day, you know, just to, just to do between 80 to 200 posts or just to look up information on 80 to 200 different shows, what they were doing. So a lot of times I think people don't realize what it's like to sift first through the information, realize what's pertinent enough to go on your site and then ultimately put it on the site. So with all that going on, your site is obviously going to be the priority. So checking out what others are doing or, you know, if, if you're trying to, to play nice per se, and maybe there isn't the same feeling back, I get that you're going to continue to focus on your own stuff. I think, I think bands need to realize that um, they're not like a big fish. They're right. like average fish because every day I see a hundred average fish and you need to figure out your, like the plan to like to build your career, your marketing plan. I hear so many bands that are just like, they're just pumping money into like recording and making it sound the best, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what do you have left over to actually tell people about it? Right. And, and I hear from bands, I'm like, oh, there's nothing. Well, then how the fucking flying fuck are you going to tell people about it? Right. Like, it's, come on, give me a break. You gotta just like, it has to be like a master plan. Mm -hmm. It really does. A, a great recording, a great marketing plan, a great future. Yeah, I mean, what did we talk about before? Kill 'em all. Does Kill 'em all have the sound of the Black Album or anything that was released? You know, that's been released now. That's brick walled, or even now that less albums are being brick walled. Thankfully, um, it doesn't have that production. It doesn't have that sound, but it has the songs, and they had someone to help steer that ship to get them to the masses, where. I, I think you're you're right with that assessment where you know the the money isn't invested in the right place to actually help like at the end of the day it's a job like anything else if you're not buying the right tools for the job you're not going to get the job done right do you really need to like to to the hysteria thing mm -hmm. right right <laughs> you need to like spend and and I love Dave um but I think Megadeth have spent a lot more time in the studio than they have as well. So go back to the garage, keep it simple, stupid, right. really you know, like sit there and perfect things. And like for, for like months on end, come on, keep it raw, keep it real. Right. 
I, I agree with you. I think it, there's a lot of overthinking taking place. Yeah. Um, for someone like myself who started in the whole podcast avenue 12 years ago, how has podcasting influenced what you guys have done with the site? Oh, the whole streaming for vengeance thing. Um, wow. Uh, it's, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, like, I'm like, like from the get go, I was interviewing people like in person. Right. And now because of COVID and everything, it's, it's like, well, it's, it's, uh, it's not like I'm not loving this interview, but it's, it's, there's a disconnect. There's, don't you know I mean, I can't cheers you can't shake your fucking hand. <laughs> um, we were able to get the actual name streaming for vengeance. Um, because I've had a relationship with Judas Priest for a long time. And um, and Jane Andrews, their manager, said, yeah, go for it, Tim. Um, so, no, we've, we've ran with it, but I, I just can't wait to like, talk to people like yourself in mm-hmm. person and go to the bar on your tab, and you can just feed me drinks all night. I'm totally joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, at, do you see that evolving into something else afterwards? You know, could you see that evolving to doing more of a in-person live streaming once you can get back out to shows and and interview people that way? Or do you just envision maybe addressing that a different way once everything kind of gets back to assemble, you know, semblance of normalcy. No, I think if, if I, I think vaccines is a, is a really important thing, whether you're an anti-vaxxer or not, um, that's going to play a big part. Um, we're like weeks into actually getting back to normal here in Canada. And um, I think it'll be the best of both worlds. It'll be like tw- 80, 20. Gotcha. Okay. What do you envision? Post the pandemic, um, do you envision something specific that you guys want to do with Brave Words that maybe you haven't done before? I mean, is there a silver lining out of all of this where once this gets back to normal, you guys want to try certain things that maybe you haven't in the past as a result? You know what the result is after this is every band on the fucking planet is going to be releasing records and we're going to be covering them. Okay. Seriously, like yeah. you name the band, like like we've already reported on Saxon, Megadeth, like every band on the planet, because they now know that they can tour. Right. Yeah, a lot. A lot of bands have been holding on to stuff. Yeah. Like, since absolutely. before this happened, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I get it. Um. With um, we're talking about different festivals and stuff, and. Of course, a lot of people know my connection to Mark Striegel. One of the things that he always talks about is going up to heavy Montreal, um, where he mentioned he runs into you pretty much every time that he goes up. Um, Do you see a future for heavy Montreal uh, after all this clears up? Um, Do you think there will be something that takes its place? What's your best guess? Um, no, I don't see Heavy Montreal coming back anytime soon. Okay. Heavy Heavy Toronto was, um, yeah, it was only like a couple of shows, a couple of years. I, I find that really hard to say. And I'm not speaking for them at all. 
I hope it can come back. But like, I think any festival in North America, it's it's going to be a long time coming. I know the U.S. is a different story than up here. Right. But in terms of like a big festival that's going to draw like 40,000 people, mm-hmm. that's going to be a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were kind of talking off air about this, about how festivals th- that festivals that have made it someplace here have um, have been because they've been kind of grassroots organizations where they've been fans, kind of like what you described before with Brave Words, how you guys came together, you and Martin and your team and did it for a love of, of the music. Um, these festivals are still around for 20 years because of that, where, you know, I think in other cases there have been big conglomerates or big, you know, corporations where eh, we don't see the instant success. So we're pulling the plug, we're pulling our money. So there goes the festival. Um, could you envision something like that happening in Canada where similar to like a Vakken. Vakken is a, a perfect example of that as well, where there could be, you know, a grassroots organization that gets together a bunch of metal fans and just decide to build something slowly over the years. We, well, we tried to do it um, with the brave word six pack weekend and that was in the nineties. And yeah, we, we, well, there was a reason why we went down to the States because yeah, Canada is a different beast. It's, the problem is that we're just way too spread out, right? Right. Community is just like, like we're so vast mm-hmm. and hopefully we can all come together to do something. But as I say, heavy Toronto failed, um, heavy Montreal. And that's really the Mecca of like heavy metal in Canada. Right. And, um, and, and sadly enough, like that was, that they were struggling. Okay. That's, that's, that's a shame. I, I wasn't aware of, of that, you know, given, I mean, a lot, a lot of this is selling an image, you know? So the image that they were selling, I think was really coming across, like it was a major festival that, you know, that, that did kind of have stability and that would have a future, but. Yeah, but keep in mind, stability means to have a lot more pop metal fans know what I mean? Like it's it not like true metal fans, like mm-hmm. the festivals in Europe. So like bands that are more saleable to like a wider demographic. And I don't know, it just works better in Europe. Yeah. Europe Europeans just seem to be more hardcore and it just works. And in Canada, it's, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Okay. There's well, a reason why I went to Vakken for 15 plus years in a row and then switched to Summer Breeze. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've, we've done so much reporting on all the European festivals. Not that I want to shoot my foot um, with anything that's going to be based here, but it is what it is. Yeah. I'm like tried and true to the core. I just like, I just want to hear it heavy. I don't want to hear radio friendly bullshit. I just want to hear heavy metal. <laughs> well, um, a festival that I've been to here in Spain, we had uh, journey followed by hate breed. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, I take that in a second. Come on. Well, especially if Steve Perry was there, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't Steve actually, but it was the, the lineup with uh, Dean Castronovo was still in the band at that point. And I think that they were smart in the sense that they didn't play any ballads. It was just all their more rocking songs. Yeah. 
plenty of radio songs and then you had a feed into the crowd that was there. So nice. Nice. This has been great, man. This has been awesome. Yeah. I, I absolutely appreciate uh, your time. And, um, and I, again, from the bottom of my heart, I do thank you for everything that you do with brave words and um and i'm sure there are millions of other people that feel the same way i mean you've filled a gap for a lot of us uh over the years and i hope that you continue to do so for uh, many years to come thank you so much thank you so much i just hope every one of the uh, like the, the, the watchers the listeners are just like i don't know i'm pushing 60 and i can't even imagine that i'm still doing this i'm pushing 60 keep the faith eh? absolutely Awesome. All right, man. All right. Thank you. Cheers, All right. man. Thank you. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, guys. Awesome interview with Tim Henderson from Brave Words. Um, again, I mentioned earlier during the interview that um, when I started out, um, the whole Bob Nalbanian thing. These are guys that sim- I think similar to what he mentioned with. Um, Uh, with looking back to the Yardbirds and looking back to the Kinks and looking back to all of these kinds of bands where I think you really need to look back to a Tim Henderson and you need to look back to a Bob Nalbandian. And I know people don't appreciate Eddie Trunk for what he is now, but it's completely different to what he was back in the day. Um, You know, uh, Eddie Trunk for for better, for worse, it turned me on to so much music over the years. And similar to what Brave Words does now, I mean, being able to, even if it was once a week, being able to to check out what the uh, metal news uh, was going on. I mean, that was just so great as, as a music nerd <laughs> that I've always been. That to me just spoke volumes to me. So um Anyway, let's see what's uh, what's going on in, in the chat here. Uh, Jeremy's talking about uh, Bloodstock Open Air. Um, great here in the UK. Yeah, Jeremy is a huge proponent for Bloodstock. Uh, always talking that up. Um, it's obviously one of the premier festivals in, um, in the UK. And um, can I still say uh, in Europe? <laughs> um so yeah uh malcolm dome mcwall and others at sounds and kerrang uh absolutely um yeah uh brad eddie did a lot for rock just wish he would stop yelling so much uh maybe his hearing is gone yeah i think that's a new jersey thing <laughs> personally but um uh, I also, uh, let's see, I want to send a shout out to a few people here. My patrons, of course, plenty of them are in the chat. We have Brad Dahl. We have Rob Rowe, who's officially become a patron as of yesterday. Um, I will make sure that your T-shirt goes out shortly. Um, Jeremy, who is in the chat, who um, I sent him, he's asked me to do a seven inch of the week. And um, the seven inch of this week while I was getting, while I was doing my album of the week for, um, uh, for Patreon, I remembered, you know, I came across the, uh, Iron Maiden vinyl, the seven inch picture disc, um, that, um, 
Uh, that's basically a cutout of, of Eddie as Steve Harris playing the bass. And it was, uh, I was like, this is perfect. I picked Iron Maiden last week, but I was like, well, perfect, perfect for the, perfect for this week to include as the, uh, seven inch of the week. So I sent the video to Jeremy. He posted it. (laughs) He, he posted it, um, on, uh, on his Twitter. So if people want to check it out, uh, if you follow Jeremy on Twitter, you will be able to see the seven inch of, of the week. So yeah, picture disc is amazing. It is, sir. That's why I wanted to share it. So, uh, there, there are others maybe, uh, for the, for the next two weeks, I'll, I'll be able to, let's see how much time I have. Let's see if I can pull out some interesting other seven inch, uh, uh, actually one of them is a 10 inch. So there you go, Brad. If seven isn't enough, you have, uh, I've also got some good 10 inchers, uh, in on the shelves as well. So, um, uh, what else do we have going on here? I posted the new releases, uh, to earlier today, slim pickings, uh, as far as very few releases last week and this week, a lot of it has to do with the summer because the numbers do drop across the board, uh, on the internet and, um, with albums in general, uh, things pick back up again in September when school actually starts up and people aren't in a vacation state of mind and, um, <laughs> anything more than six is, is a waste. Okay. <laughs> um i don't i don't want to um uh quote michael scott from uh the office but uh, anyway um so what i'm getting at is that there was there was a lot of reissues today uh only a few new releases a bunch of eps some compilations uh there's still good music to be had folks so um if you want to check out what's coming out and you don't know where to turn. You can go to marsattacksradio.com, go to the new releases. Uh, there's, there's new releases right there in the menu at the top of the screen or at the top of the page. You can click on that and it'll take you to the list of the last uh, 10 weeks or so. You can click on the latest to check out what's come out. It's nothing like talking to someone and say, Hey, whatever happened to that band? Uh, I lost track of them after the greatest hits they released in 1998. Yeah. They've only released 15 albums since good thing. You're a huge fan. So, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, again, getting back to tonight's interview, my whole thing with doing these interviews or just interviewing people that I think are, are important to not only music, um, important to what I do, um, and can just give me a good conversation, you know, and that's what I think we did tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I am actually off next week, so you could label me as a liar when I say every Fridays, uh, or every Friday at, you know, a certain time, um, for the first time in quite a few years, um, we're actually going on a family vacation for a few days. So, uh, I will be traveling back on Friday and I don't know when I will get back. Um, I am under the influence of the second um, COVID shot tonight. So this, in, this entire time I've been, um, 
uh, feeling flu-like symptoms, but I really wanted to do this interview, uh, especially after last week and not having the guest show up. I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to talk to uh, to Tim, so it was awesome to have him on. And um, and that is it, guys. We will be back in two weeks with our Motley Crew discussion with my patrons, uh, which will be taking place from uh, 6 p.m. Eastern on July the 23rd. If you are not a patron yet and want to be involved in that discussion for as little as um, two bucks a month, um, you can get in. You can get in on that uh, Motley Crue discussion. Brad, I've taken two today. The nurse said I could take one every eight hours. So I took my second one at around 10 p.m., which was like three hours ago. Um, I'm feeling a little bit a little better now, but still have the aches and pains. I'm hoping that, uh, much like my wife, by the time tomorrow rolls around, uh, I will be fine. So um, that is that. I appreciate you guys for joining me tonight. As always, uh, thank you for. Um, <laughs> Well, but okay, Rob Rowe, Rob Rowe paid, okay, so it's a thousand milligrams every eight hours. I took 650 because now we can only buy 650 without a prescription. So are you telling me that I should have taken a tablet and a half? Is is that it? Um, and to get back to Rob's point, you did the $10, but you get a t-shirt out of it. So there you go. That's one of the perks. For the uh, $10 for $2, the only, the only additional perk is, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that in a second, Brad, um, for $2, you just get the extra Victor M. Ruiz podcast, but with five, you get the other bonus podcasts when I release them and with 10, you get the t-shirt. So, and everything else before that. So, uh, there you go. Um, if you just want the t-shirt and go down to two bucks after a few months, I'm cool with that. I understand that not everyone can, uh, because it's happened to myself. I've backed some people for, for a few months and just couldn't afford it anymore or just realized that they weren't delivering anything. So I was like, eh, this isn't money well spent. So, um, Brad, as far as that, um, the, for people that don't know, uh, the medicine is subsidized over here. So, yes, when you are in the States, um, when when you are in the States and you move over here and you say, can you give me a painkiller for that? No, you should be good with some ibuprofen and some, uh, you know, essentially what is Tylenol, which is what um, uh, Brad just mentioned, the paracetamol. Um it's it's pretty much the same as far as as far as um uh i know but i'm not uh a doctor like the good doctor is and um yeah and we could actually purchase up to 1 milligram of ibuprofen up until a year ago where because since it is subsidized by the government um the government didn't want to pay as much. So they started saying, well, people are getting hooked on one milligram or one gram of ibuprofen. And I'm thinking, 
Yeah, I have a hard time believing that people are, are actually uh, uh, that 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 people are actually getting hooked on ibuprofen and and Tylenol, um, especially the regular stuff. So, as the last two years have gone by, they've lowered the dosage and kept the price the same. Still cheaper than what it is in 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 the state. So, but is what it is. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, you guys are leaving me speechless uh, again. I'm not holding a gun to anyone's head. If you guys want to jump up to 10, I'd be thrilled. I, I'd be ecstatic. Um, but, uh, <laughs> my, my folks bring me stuff from Costco. All my allergy medicine is from Costco. So, uh, don't think that I get left out or when we take our trips to the States, we stock up. So there's plenty of stuff that isn't over the counter here, which just boggles my mind. But um, yeah, I can now have a, a, a pizza holiday. Yes. It will be interesting. I'm scared shitless to travel, but uh, it, it is our opportunity to uh, have, have a family holiday. And um, I hope that uh, everyone stays safe. I hope we stay safe. And uh, we will all be back here on the 23rd. I will be setting up um, $10 in the battle, bottle of ibuprofen. There you go. Um, I will be setting everything up so that everything is still working on Patreon. I will still be um, uh, checking in throughout the week. I'm we're, so, okay. So I'm big with going to theme parks. We've been wanting to go to. Um, uh, what is the biggest theme park in Europe, which is about 90, uh, 90 minutes south of Barcelona in uh, uh, an area called, uh, in Spanish, it is Tarragona. Tarragona is Tarragona in English. Um, they have the biggest amusement park in Europe there. Uh, we haven't been able to go these last few years because um, uh, we just couldn't afford it. And due to COVID and the park being closed down for some time, everything costs um, a third of, of what it did before. So as a result, we're going to Barcelona on Monday, hitting some of the uh, major you know, tourist spots so that my boys can see the stuff. Then we're going to, uh, it's called uh, uh, Port Adventure, I guess in English, Port Aventura. Uh, for three days. And the other cool thing, um, almost <laughs> it's, it's port, not fort, but you almost had it. Um, and then, uh, since, since we are, I mean, in the region of, uh, of, uh, Tarragona, Tarragona has the second amount of, um, Roman ruins in Spain. We can thank Napoleon for making sure that, um, that we that that city does not have the most because they used to have the most. And as the French were retreating from Spain 200 years ago, they decided to start um, dynamiting all of the historic artifacts that they found along the way. So that happened to a lot of the Roman stuff that was there. There's still plenty to see, which I'm sure my kids will get a kick out of. I got a kick out of seeing that stuff when, when I went there and, uh, and, we do get to go to the theme park, which I absolutely love as well. And um, I 
will be checking in from from time to time as well. So I hope that um, that you guys have a, a great week. And yeah, uh, Barcelona is great. Tim actually mentioned off air that he's been to Barcelona a few times. That he's absolutely loved it. It's it's a great place to go. Me and my wife used to go once a year, and after having kids and just through economic reasons, we haven't been able to go back. Uh, we haven't been back since uh, since I actually proposed to her in two thousand and eight. So it's 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 overdue. Um, so there you go. Um, I actually proposed to my wife in Barcelona on a cruise ship there. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks for spending your time with me and um i appreciate once again oh you've been there twice cool and i will definitely tr- check out the uh where where is the uh the sculpture jose um that is the for for people in english speaking countries um what he's referring to was called transor z in english it was a big Japanese anime thing back in the 70s. It was the big, the first big anime to, to hop overseas. So, um, anyway, thank you guys for spending Friday with me. Thanks to anyone that listens to this in the replay. I appreciate you guys being here. Like, share, tell your friends about all this. And, um, okay, I'll look it up. And that is it. Thanks once again, guys. It was a blast speaking to you guys in the chat. It was a blast speaking to Tim. And it is always a blast, again, spending time with you guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, oh, yeah, we've got a new outro to the show. So I hope you guys like this. If you didn't catch the intro, watch the replay. The intro's completely different as well. But um, here's the new outro, guys. All right. We will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 